Help I Got a Mac podcast episode number 98. everybody and welcome back to another episode of the help i got a mac podcast my name is cliff ravenscraft and i am chris biting and today is a very special episode of it help is? i got a mac well it's it, it is and the reason why is because today this episode right now is the 1800th episode produced by gspn.tv studios Wow, it's an honor to be part of of that milestone, Cliff. I'll tell you, I'm excited. Uh, you know, uh, we've been quickly approaching the 1,800 episode mark, and and today, and this one here, right here, does it. And nice. it, it, I cannot believe that. I mean, th- now, by the way, we we've done more than 1,800 episodes, but I'm not counting the shows that we started, did two or three episodes of, and then pod faded immediately because the shows just didn't turn out to be what we wanted so right right th- tossing those aside this is active content that's available online to our plus members if you're a plus member which by the way for those of you who are listening via the podcast feed today's a plus member only episode in thanks to you guys uh, you have access now to over 1800 podcast episodes that's a lot of cliff it is a lot of cliff a whole and, lot of loving <laughs> luckily there's a lot of chris uh there's a lot of stephanie there's a lot of sarah there's a lot of andy there's a lot of all kinds of other wonderful people as well hey man i've been i've been really glad that i could have been could, could be a part of this for almost what are we, two years now yeah almost yeah two, yeah two years now and it's two years for me and and not only that, but um, we relaunched the show. So technically, you've been on more than 100 episodes. But uh, for this newly launched version of, of course, newly launched, it's old now. But yeah, exactly. uh, we're almost on episode 100. I know, man. It's it's almost it's almost been a year since or two two years to like, I think we started like a November of uh, 07 on, on the relaunch of the show. Yeah. So. So we're almost yeah. It's been it's been fun, man. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I'm glad. I'm you. You've been in here for the long haul. Every week, you you know. I don't know if people know this, but all the all the content that we talk about in the show, you put it all together for us. Uh, I really, I just show up and hit the buttons and talk a lot. So <laughs> you put in the patented Cliff Ravenscraft uh, opinion. There you go. So of punditry. Punditry, exactly. Well, hey, we've got a show today. You've got some interesting topics, uh, some news items here, and we have one piece of uh, uh, feedback from Chris K, who is giving us yet another wonderful application review for the iPhone. So Hang on. Where, All right. Where do you want to start today, Mr. Biting? Well, I want to start with something that I've always thought was true, but now it's come out and, and uh, been said Microsoft manager admits to copying the Mac look and feel. And then of course, Microsoft denies it. Simon Aldis, a group manager at Microsoft recently sat down for a rather lengthy talk with PCR. Uh, most of the back and forth revolved around receiving input from partners and other mildly boring topics. But one particular question and answer was pointed directly at the uh, outfit's newest operating system. When asked if windows seven was really quote, Really, a much more agile operating system, end quote. Simon made a deliberate decision to say the following quote, One of the things that people say an awful lot about the Mac OS is 
about Apple Mac is is the fan is the OS is fantastic and that it's very graphical and easy to use. What we try to do with Windows Seven, whether it's tra- traditional format or a touch format, is to create a Mac look in terms of graphics. Of course, he followed up by slamming OS X's general stability, noting that Vista's core technology on which Win 7 is built is far more stable than the current Mac platform. So we've always blamed Microsoft. As Mac users, we've always kind of said Microsoft uh, secretly wants to copy the Mac. Now they've kind of come out and said it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. I, I, I can definitely see that. And, and I don't know that copy is the right word. Uh, inspired by, maybe. But copy, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I, so I, I, I mean, uh, you, if you're if you're in, in in a particular industry and you see something that's working nice, and it's not something necessarily that's patented, you know, it, it, the I, I mean, it's not like they're copying the same button. I mean, they're they're obviously not putting the toolbar at the top of the screen uh, in a, in a thin ribbon up the top, and. They're not they're not disassociating the file edit view um, toolbar from the actual physical window. Um, they're I mean they're 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 not mimicking the bottom bar at the, on, on Windows Seven. The bottom bar, you know, where the start button is, which is yeah. now like the little Windows logo. It it behaves very much like the dock. Yeah, but that's the thing. So basically, where I was going with that is that if you see something that looks very nice and and it just seems like wow that that is a that is a, a great evolution and an idea of how something should function mm-hmm. and and there's no real p- patent protection on something like that then then why not be inspired to incorporate and i mean this has been going on for browsers for years and yeah. we don't really get all that upset when browsers uh you know somebody <laughs> does tab browsing and it's like wow tab browsing this is why doesn't everybody have tab browsing? We don't get upset when another browser yeah. comes up and has tab browsing, right? Yeah, I, I think it's just the whole you know us versus them mentality that that Mac and PC um, people have had since like the dawn of time. For me, I, I've noticed that that Mac versus PC is actually starting to blur just a little bit. Yeah, I agree, and and you know uh, I, I'm not ashamed to say I'm a. I'm an unabashed Mac fanboy, but I'll call Apple to the mat when I have to. And I've used Windows 7 quite a bit, and I really, really do like it. I think it's a great operating system. It's fast, too. I have not touched Windows 7, have not seen a single screenshot of Windows 7. Now, with that being said, I had Windows 7 on my MacBook Pro, and when I would launch it, it it just would bog down in a virtual machine. And that's just because I don't have a whole lot of RAM. So I actually went back and put um, XP on it just because the system requirements are so low because you know it's a 10 year old operating system and um it's ran much faster now would windows 7 work really nice on um would windows 7 work really nice on my netbook my little asus ieee pc yeah it actually would work great on that so so even so that's something that i'm not used to because i'm not used to when you upgrade to a newer operating system when you're running like a slow processor you know, having that not bog down the system. So I've got Windows XP, but you think that if I installed Windows 7 on it, it would actually be an improvement? I think so, yeah. Wow, that's, that's very interesting. If there, was a, if there was a computer that I'd be willing to look at installing Windows 7 on, it would be my netbook because I will tell you that uh, it's, it's a little slow. I mean, I, I bought the netbook just for Skype, and so therefore it, is, uh, it does work. 
and yeah. and it does work for what I want it to do, but man, it's not good for much more other than that. <laughs> yeah, I, the thing is, though, you're going to have to buy a copy, and it's not cheap, man. Uh, you can get an OEM copy, I think, for I'm trying to say one ninety nine. I think yeah. maybe you can get an upgrade copy for ninety nine, yeah. which which would work for you. But see, if they if they made it forty nine <clears throat> bucks, I might upgrade, but not ninety nine. Not going to do. Yeah, when does, yeah, OSs are expensive, man. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be that expensive. Not with this, oh. not with Microsoft and Apple. I mean, the, the two of those guys, I mean, gosh, they're pulling in the money. And it, I mean, all they're doing is, is you know, well, you don't even have to make copies. You don't even have to pay. You don't even have to manufacture a disc. You don't have to do anything. Why, why don't you just make the digital download available? I'll mm-hmm. download it. I'll burn it to my own disc and then install it. And, of course, Robert Johnson's in our chat room. He says, Linux is free, you know. And, uh, yeah, you know what, that, that's something interesting too. Since, since my, my netbook is typically really only used for Skype, does, uh, Skype run on Linux? Oh, you know what? I think there is a Linux version of Skype. So I, I, that'd be interesting to find out. Yeah. You can download Skype for Linux. Excellent. I might even consider doing something like that. Yeah. Mint, Mint, uh, there's one called Mint OS. It's an, awesome version of, of linux i mean there's of course there's ubuntu and stuff like that but mint i think mint is, is sexier looking really yeah it's just got a cooler fit and finish all right so microsoft manager basically says you know i would say more along the lines of is inspired you know they've been inspired by the advances that that apple has had and the reaction that the community computing community has had to their design and it's and it's been an influence i i would say that's probably a better representation of what's gone on here yeah yeah i agree it's funny though i i went back and when i reloaded xp you know you get the the stock service pack 2 install and i'm looking at it and i'm like this os just looks old you know compared yeah. to, to, to os 10 and i'm thinking you know os 10 has changed since when it first came out but they both came out at the same time you know yeah and that was just one of the things that out of the gate, OS X looked like a futuristic operating system, and it, it still looks like a well, futuristic well, operating system. Well, here, here's the thing, though. OS X, yeah, it's, not, it, it, it's not apples to apples comparison. You know, because OS X, you have OS you has you have OS X Tiger. I don't know. Pan, I think you had Panther, and then you had Tiger. Then you have Lo- Leopard, and now you have Snow Leopard. But if you, if you look at if you go back to Panther, which I never had, I would imagine that it looks dated as well. Yeah, they they slowly got away from the stripes. If you go all the way back to 10, 10.1, which was uh, Cheetah or I can't remember what it, what it was. Um, then before that was or after that was Jaguar. Uh, yeah, th- there's like stripes, these weird stripes and stuff. But the overall bones of it was still the same. I mean, the dock was the same. Uh, the toolbar at the top, for the most part, was the same. Um, the windows were, you know, the little jewels and stuff were the same. So, I mean, I don't know. When it, when it first came out, it just, you know, it was all rendered in, in Quartz, which was the uh, PDF style render. It just looked different. You know, you, you could right. tell that this was something not like anybody else has ever seen before. Right. So, why? Well, I, I, don't get me it, wrong. I love my Mac OS and, and I'm, I'm still running Leopard. I'm, I'm still not upgraded to Snow Leopard. Have no desire to at this point. In fact, I have my my ScreenFlow 3.0 up and running, uh, or ScreenFlow is it 2.0? 2.0. 2.0, and I've got it up and running, and it runs fine in regular Leopard. So no, no upgrade for me until probably I probably won't upgrade for another year 
I might wait until the next snow, the next version of the OS. That's cool. Well, speaking of Snow Leopard, uh, uh, 10.6.2 came out this week. Huge update. Uh, If you had 10.6, it was a 400 meg update. Uh, 10.6.2 for me was about 160 megs. Uh, Fixed a bunch of issues, um, stuff with mobile me, stuff with mail, and obviously the huge glaring bug that was out when you logged into a user account or a guest account that there was a good chance that when you logged back into your account, everything was gone. So they fixed that bug. Well, that's uh, good to hear. Yeah. What they also fixed, though, well, I don't know if you're going to call it fixed, but they dropped support, uh, support for the uh, Hackintosh-centric Atom processor, which is powering your netbook. Um, Apple doesn't use anything with an Atom processor in it, so they just removed support for the Atom processor completely, hosing a bunch of people who were, who were buying these you know, $300 Dells and then uh, dropping uh, 10.6 on them. So yeah, well, that, I mean, <laughs> I don't have a problem with it personally. People are a lot of people are up in arms about it. It's like, you know, it, it, to me, if Apple's taking out extra code that, that doesn't need, good for them. It makes my stuff smaller. All right, and and the thing is, is that it, it by them installing it, they were breaking the user agreement knowingly. So I mean, I, I very little love lost there. I mean, Apple certainly does some things that I'm not happy with, and I'm happy to point out when i'm frustrated with them but you know this is something where you know i you know has had the thought occurred to me that it, you know to get another mac version of uh the operating system running on a cheaper machine would that be nice yeah that's that's occurred to me i would love to be able to buy a build your own machine and run the mac os instead of uh the you know windows os on it but i know that it breaks the support and so i've chosen not to do that because i don't want to make sure, I want to make sure that I can continually update my machine. And this is where that whole Psystar thing. Now, so far, Psystar is not using Atom processors. But you know what? For the, all those people who are using those Psystar machines, I still, I think you're in a world of hurt because eventually I think Apple's going to clamp down on that too. They'll find a way to shut all that stuff down. Yeah. I know some people who have built Hackintoshes like from, you know, parts, you know, they go to Micro Center, Newegg or whatever and buy. You know, the most vanilla stuff they can get, you know, the straight up Intel based motherboard and all that and are running Hackintoshes and they run awesome. And, you know, you can update them and everything. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I feel I don't think it's a huge issue. I think it was a bigger issue with the netbooks because they're so cheap. Right. Um, I, I still think this is kind of in the hackery, hacky kind of, you know, your, your normal person's not going to go, you know what? I want to build myself a Hackintosh. Right. They're going to, you know, they might get their friend to do it, but. They're still going to go to the Apple Store and they're still going to buy a Mac in it. You know, you know, it just works. You get that awesome support and service, and those machines are just beautiful, fit and finish. We don't have to, th- you know, we don't, we don't have to keep going on about that. We just know how nice they are as yeah. far as a pure hardware. Yeah, they're expensive. I'm not going to lie, but you know, yeah, it, it, well, and they're they're not they're not so expensive that they're unaffordable either, though. Especially these days. I mean, I look at the new the new iMac, the the smaller, the entry level. You know, what is it, eleven hundred dollars or something like that, twelve hundred dollars? And yeah, the entry level MacBook. Yeah, yeah, the iMac is twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, the iMac. That's what I meant. So twenty inch screen. Twenty twenty inch screen, high definition. Uh, you know, that includes a high definition monitor. I mean, I mean, it's just unbelievable what you get, uh, a fast hard drive, lots of Ram, uh, you know, 3d process. I mean, this, this is a, this is a machine. I mean, this isn't, this isn't, you know, something you buy for your kids to, to do their, you know, elementary school kids to do their, or in high school kids to do their homework on. 
Uh, th- this can this is a full blown you know production machine in a small to medium sized business. It can be the family computer for everybody. Mm-hmm. Multimedia and and schoolwork combined. I mean. I, dude, I, yeah. I I think it's you know twelve hundred dollars is extremely affordable. And Amanda from Michigan uh, brings up a very valid point. For as long as I remember, uh, she 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 says here in the chat room, all computers used to cost over a thousand dollars. Oh yeah. And matter of fact, I remember. Oh gosh, I remember. Uh, it was a Packard Bell two eighty six that my parents paid fifteen hundred dollars for. Oh yeah, yeah, heck yeah, man! My first computer was like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, so you 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 take fifteen hundred dollars back then, include inflation, and then look at the piece of trash that that thing was compared to what you pay for an iMac today, and then tell me that these things are too expensive. I, I I've and think I, about it, if you if you adjust for inflation, yeah, too. You know, I mean, the the value of the dollar is definitely not as as powerful as it was say 10 years ago. So that $1,500 uh, computer is two grand now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is these things are not too expensive. People are just getting uh, desensitized to the price of a computer by buying junk. And here, here's the thing. Let's say I was a, a single dude, you know, uh-huh. no wife, which would be boring and sad. But if I, if I was a, if I was a, a person who had an apartment and I was looking at you know new TVs, and I didn't want to go too big on my TV, but I also needed a computer. You know, the, even if you go big, if you go, let's say you, you you drop two grand and you get the big dog twenty seven inch iMac, it's a computer. It can be a TV. Uh, the the display port in the back is is made in such a way you can plug a Blu ray drive into it and watch Blu ray movies. It becomes a monitor at that point. Right. You know, I you start to think that this is not a bad deal, and it's you know it's ten eighty p. And it, it they'll look beautiful, and it could be your DVR. It can be everything, right? So that that's exactly it. I mean, it, it is a, it is an amazing deal, in my opinion. Now, it, it's funny I say that because I remember recording my in store purchase experience of my MacBook and talking about the sticker shock. Mm-hmm. All right, but how long have I had this Mac? I've had it for two and a half years, and guess what? I'm still able to use the most recent current software and process videos with no problem at all. In fact, I'm now processing HD video on my system. This is a MacBook I bought two and a half years ago, and it still works great. Yeah, I've always felt that Macs... It seems like Apple can squeeze every bit of juice out of a Mac for as long as it can. Um. Wouldn't, but before they went Intel, Intel kind of kind of drew the line in the sand for for a bunch, for a bunch of people with older systems. But for a while, you could buy a G three or G four and use it for ten years. You know, it still ran up until Leopard. Right, you could still run you know the newest operating system, and this was a, a G you know a G three processor made in you know ninety eight. You know, two hundred and thirty three megahertz, and it was it was running the latest operating system and running it passable right you know and i think that's amazing and and the thing is is those things can still be used today maybe not necessarily with the latest release of software but still i mean if you had usable software that you had you know you know go back to the you know the most recent version up to the you know when they did the update cutoffs 
you know, Photoshop is still running on those G4s. Oh yeah, you know they're still working great today, and that and that's where I'm coming from. It's like, man, this this argument that that Macs are too expensive. I I, I cannot believe I'm and trust me, I am not a Mac fanboy. I am not. I, I there's a lot of things I despise about Apple, and but but yeah, I, I, when you look at the machine that you get, how long it's going to list live to live on, uh, and the service that you get. I couldn't be more happy with my Mac. Now, with that being said, I just want to say out there, doing my business the way that I choose to do my business, I could not be a Mac-only person. Um, I still choose to be a PC primarily uh, and a Mac a, a Mac person for all my video work. And uh, I do take my MacBook with me when I'm out on the road. Now, yeah. and also, um, you know, talking about buying junk, you know, a sub $1,000 computer you know, usually you're buying something that's very inexpensive. It's got third-party stuff. Um, I still buy those from time to time, but I, I I expect those machines to last me for about a year to a year and a half. And there are times when I think that's a reasonable decision, especially especially in a in a big business. You know, where you're buying five computers for your five employees. Yeah, you know, and and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden, they're all the companies that you work with all have software that is always pushing the limits. It's like, well, at that point, you know, get something that bought the, that meets the requirements of the software you're using, you know, and if you can if you can get uh, five systems for you know four forty nine each, and everybody keeps their nice gigantic displays, dual monitors, and everything, and and all that stuff. Then yeah, it makes sense to go the cheaper route, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, you, and a lot of those, um, a lot of those manufacturers, your Dells and all that of the world are, especially when you're like a business, are willing to give you kind of deep discounts, right? Where Apple, Apple will give you a little bit, like a token discount, like six percent. Yeah, you know, and and Dell, Dell and HP, especially HP, um, they've kind of learned that the hardware, there's no money in hardware. And they also provide service. So what they're going and doing in companies, and I used to work for a company called Pomeroy, and we would see this all the time. Yep. That uh, a company would say, you know, they, they, HP would go to a company and go, look, you get you you supply your whole company with HP computers, and uh, we'll give you the service free for a year. You know, the 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 on site IT guy who works for you guys, but is an HP employee, we'll give him we'll give that to you for a year for free. Or we'll give you so many systems for free for if you commit for a three year service plan, right? You know, because that's where the real money is. They're not making money on these, you know, little eight uh, percent margins on hardware. Apple's making thirty percent margins on their hardware. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, it cost them a lot less to to make them than they're selling them for. Well, but and, hey, but you know the, what? It's worked for them. Yeah, and but the thing is, though, is they are there. You have the service that's available for the first year is unrivaled, um, and the and actually the support at beyond that, you know, to buy the the Apple Care doesn't cost a whole lot more, and the support that you get is fanatic. I mean, it is fantastic. And, yeah, and I, I just I, I I really do love Apple. In in those regards, so I, I think any penny you pay towards an iMac these days is a penny well spent. Record that 
Yes, I'm going to play that. But no, I'm just joking. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, so finally, I, I got one more news article. I just kind of want to mention. It kind of has to do with iPhones and, and iPod touches. All right. And this is from my good buddy John Carmack, who uh, he's head of ID. They, they make Doom and Wolfenstein and you know all those good games with guns and blood and stuff. Right. Uh, he said in an interview with Kotaku that uh, Apple begrudgingly promotes the iPod Touch and iPhone as gaming platforms. At the highest level of Apple, in their heart of hearts, Carmack said, said uh, they're not proud of the iPhone being a game machine. They wish it was something else. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's no way of backing it up, but Steve Jobs it seems like a guy in particular that would have no interest in the world of gaming. But they're certainly pushing the iPod Touch as a gaming device. Uh, but that's probably through clenched teeth. So, gotcha. I mean, it, it it is a it is a decent device for gaming. Obviously, the the iPhone 3GS is a much better gaming device than the iPhone 3G, uh, and I can imagine it's better. But I I still don't view it as a gaming device. I mean, sure, it's it's fun to play some games on, but in my opinion, this thing this thing is a productivity tool, my friend. Oh, yeah. I, I, I run my business through it. Yeah. Well, I want to tell people, um, if you're listening to this, and, and if you don't listen to Pursuing a Balanced Life, the, the podcast that I produce, because you think it's all about health and fitness and stuff like that, and maybe you don't need any help in that area, uh, and encouragement in that area, I really encourage you to check out Pursuing a Balanced Life podcast episode number 441, which will be online sometime later today. Uh, episode number 441 is called Managing My, uh, Managing My Relationships with High Rise. And it is all, if you have a small to medium-sized business, you have to listen to that podcast. It's all about, um, you know, it, it's basically a CRM system that I've uh, come across and how I'm using it. And uh, i just sharing how it's, it's basically radically changed my life. And the nice thing is, is there are a couple iPhone applications that interact with my data that makes this stuff so amazing. My my task list, my contacts. I mean, I finally have that place. You know how I used to des- desire every all my contact data to to you know, I wanted Google to be my Google, you know, my place for all my contacts. The problem is is that, you know, when syncing your uh Google contacts with your iPhone, it doesn't contact. It doesn't carry over. It doesn't sync all the fields. I think it. It. It even says, you know, there are some limitations here. The first three numbers are. The, are you familiar with what I'm talking about, Chris? Yeah, yeah. So, so not everything would carry over. And so when I when I did an import from the system that I was using, you know, some of those fields were were in some of those numbers and email addresses were all in fields that weren't supported with sync. And so I would I kind of blew away all my contacts on my iPhone. Uh, luckily I had it backed up and then I did the Google sync and then I'm, I'm finding that all my contacts were missing all kinds of pertinent and important information. So I didn't like that. So I went back to what I had and I'm not, I've never been happy with having some contacts in Gmail, some contacts over here and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Cause you add one, you have to add it to both places. Just really frustrating. And finally I'm using, you know, the contacts, the tasks, everything all in this one thing called high rise and it's amazing yeah it's a it looks like it's it looks like it this is made from the 37 signals the dudes that do um base camp and stuff like that yeah and it, it's basically a crm you know yep good customer relationship manager or whatever uh it's a lot like salesforce only not nearly as expensive and not nearly as giant yeah it, it is fine it is simple and it is it is laid back but it is so powerful and effective 
Um, I am in love with this software. And by the way, uh, if anybody wants to check it out, I, I have, I've actually signed up for an affiliate code with them. If, you, if you're going to check it out, do me a favor, type in this link, and it's HiRise, H-I-G-H-R-I-S-E. Just go to gspn.tv slash HiRise, gspn.tv slash HiRise, and uh, that way, you know, if you sign up, I'll get, you know, a credit for, for you signing up. But uh, also, get this. Are you familiar with who Jason Fried is, the, the CEO of uh, 37 Signals? Yeah. He is going to be on uh, Business Tech Weekly this afternoon. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we're interviewing, interviewing him today at 3 p.m., and that is going to be Business Tech Weekly episode number 10. And uh, if anybody can check it out live today, that would be great. If not, uh, go to businesstechweekly.com and uh, listen to us interview uh, Jason Freed from uh, 37 Signals. This guy, by the way, for those who don't know, he started this company. The, it, it, the revenue is millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And the company, when it started, was was it was so... Uh, exciting for for individuals to to see the possibilities of what he's doing and, and his approach to software development that he has he actually only has one investor but do you know who that investor is who Jeff Bezos of uh, Amazon.com oh yeah well you've got that if you got Jeff Bezos you're you're golden that's exa- <laughs> that's exactly it my friend uh, so the the guy who founded Amazon.com is the sole um, uh, the sole provider of, uh, you know, financial support for this company and, and backing it up. And so it, 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 there's, there's a lot of weight behind it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. All right. So moving along here, uh, let's see here. I think that that's pretty much all we have. We have, we have an email that came in from a young guy. Uh, I don't think he's a plus member, so I don't think he's unfortunately going to get this. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do is let's just hold off that email until next week. Uh, okay. Because next week, I believe, is going to be a free one. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put that off. And he'll be able to hear our response. How's that sound? Sounds good. Oh, wow. It's weird. The, the, I just got a story. The uh, Facebook app developers threw at the iPhone and blames the iPhone store approval process. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah, he's like, I'll stop developing for Apple's platforms or using Apple products as long as they continue to, pr- as, as long as they continue to pr- produce the best stuff. I will not stop developing. Uh, okay. Read this again. What to say? Okay. Okay. Back in the August, he said he won't. He he's he was fed up, but he won't stop developing it for Apple's platforms or using Apple products as long as they continue to be the best stuff on oh, the wait, market. Oh wait, 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 wait a second. Hold on. This just in. Now to our roving reporter, Chris Biting. I'm Chris Biting, and here's today's story. Uh, no, uh, Hewitt. Um, I'm trying to get the, the guy's first name. I'll just call him Hewitt. Uh, Hewitt said uh, back in August that he won't stop developing Apple for Apple's platform or using Apple's products as long as they continue to be the best stuff on the market. However, he spoke to TechCrunch earlier today, and his attitude is clear. He says, my decision to stop iPhone development has everything to do with Apple's policies. I respect their right to manage their platform however they want. However, I'm philosophically opposed to the existence of the review process. I'm very concerned that they are setting a horrible precedent for other software platforms, and soon gatekeepers will start investing in the lives of every software developer. Wow. 
That's a bummer because the iPhone or the Facebook app is awesome. The Facebook app is awesome, but uh, congrats to them for taking a stand. And, yep. and I hope he does. I hope he takes a stand and, and I hope that others will follow. And, and as far as I'm concerned, if everybody stopped developing for the iPhone until they got rid of the review process that they currently have, I would be happy. Yeah. Because it would make my decision to leave the iPhone app, um, uh, uh, it, when my contract comes due again uh, that much easier. And those Android, the, not, the, not the Android, although the Android is pretty nice, uh, but the, the, next, the next round or even two rounds from now version of Google Android is going to be amazing. Yeah, exactly. So but let me ask you, do you still have the Droid or did you give it back yet? I gave it back. All right. How, how do you feel about it after had it, having it for as long as you did? Um, I like it. Yeah, I, I, thought, it, I thought it was cool. Um, the fit and finish, I mean, like I said, uh, I want to see where it is in a, a year from now. It's right. good, but it's not as good as the iPhone. It's close. It's really close. Gotcha. Really, really close. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my opinion, that it's not quite there yet, but it is really close. Uh, the good news is, now, as far as the hardware, was the hardware a, a turnoff for you? Uh, I, I thought the physical keyboard wasn't that good. Okay. But I, I, thought, it, I thought, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. So if there was a Droid 2 that raised up those keys a little bit and, uh, and, and, and kind of did something, you think you might be interested in that. And then, of course, the software can always be upgraded. You know, that, that's, not, that's a non-issue. So Google improves yeah, I, the op- I, operating system. You can always upgrade. I don't even need the, uh, the hardware uh, keyboard. Well, then there's the HTC Hero. Have you heard about that? Yeah, they've actually got that out for uh, for Verizon now too. It's called the uh, Aris, nice. but it's it's the Hero. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah, so I'm excited about these other platforms coming out there, and and I'll tell you what, um, I see Android. See, after holding that Android in my hand, uh, I will tell you, iPhone's got some competition. It does, and and the approval process. In the app store, I don't care if they got 100,000 apps. If it's 100,000 apps that I don't want, I don't care. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I, you know, it, it, Google Voice alone would be an app that would make me want to convert. Yeah, I agree. So. I agree. I think it's, it's, it's good enough. Um, like I said, it makes me excited for a year from now when my contract's up. <laughs> Yeah, so. exactly. All right, so we do have one more uh, little thing that we've got going on here. This is Chris K. He sends us a, an app review each week. And uh, Chris, take it away. Hey, guys. Chris K. for Help I Got a Mac. The app I'm reviewing this week is probably the coolest app I've reviewed because if I show it to someone around my age group, they instantly recognize it, and it takes everybody takes everybody back to the 70s. The game is called LED Football, and it is an exact replica of the old handheld Mattel electronic football game. It looks, sounds, and plays exactly like it. I mean, down to the tones that it makes when you get tackled, to the to the sounds of the click sounds of the keys as you press them. It's perfect. Like, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's as perfect as an app can get. Anyway, it's 99 cents in the App Store, so it's a good price. So if you want to blast from the past, check it out. Very cool. And, you know, I hear that there's another football application that, like, anytime you show it to them, it takes them back to the 60s, and it's called LSD Football. (laughs) 
That was bad. <laughs> that one was bad. Any, anyway, that was really bad. Chris, <sighs> I'm offended, Cliff. I know, I know. Anyway, we want to say thank you to uh, Chris K for putting together these awesome um, reviews of iPhone applications. LED football. Check it out in the iPhone store. Uh, and my apps of the week are H Contacts and uh, hold on, I will tell you the other one here as soon as I unlock my phone. What? Which, by the way, I've been using the passcode now that I have these access, you know, the access to my databases online. Bungalow. So uh, I'm using a, a, a thing called Bungalow to to kind of view and manage my tasks in High Rise, which is it is awesome. And then I have a, an application called H Contacts, which it is it is every single contact, all the information I need, all at my fingertips, and uh, it looks very much just like the built-in contact manager of the iPhone. In fact, when I click on an email address, it opens up my email client. When I click on a phone number, it dials it. Very, very awesome. The only, the big thing is, is that it's synced with my online live data, you know, in high rise. So those are my two apps that I'm using. Yeah. I haven't downloaded any apps in a few weeks. Uh, I still have it jailbroken though. Yeah, that, that's something. There you go. <laughs> that, that that's surprising. This is long. Is this the longest you've had a phone that's jailbroke? Pretty much. It's. I can't help it, man. I love that lock info screen, and I love Google Voice on it. And uh, I just put QuickBack on it, but I use Backgrounder all the time now too. Awesome. Well, everybody, we want to say thank you for subscribing to Help I Got a Mac, and a special thank you to our Plus members. This is a Plus member only episode. And uh, we couldn't do what we do here at gspn.tv without you. 1,800th episode today. And uh, thank you guys very much for for all the support that you guys have given us over the years. We we really value it. Chris, two more episodes to 100, my friend. I know. I wish I had something cool to give away. Yeah. I'll I'll work on that. I'll... uh... I'll work on that. All right. And if anybody's out there listening and you want to give away something... Uh, as a gift to uh, people who are listening to our 100th episode. We encourage you to... That'll be in two weeks. Uh, so not on the 19th, but on the 26th. Show up on November 26th at uh, 8.30 a.m. And uh, we'll, we'll, how about we do that? You have to be live to make it to, to get anything if we have some stuff to give away. So, yeah. Very cool. Anyway, folks, thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you the next uh, next week. And until then, join the community.